Welcome into the His Earth Podcast. I'm Zach Ben alongside my sister Paige, and we are back from our Disneyland hiatus, a long, treacherous journey through the happiest place on earth. And we come back to review, or I guess preview, NFL Week 10 storylines that are upcoming and recap the terrible Thursday night football game. That's next here on the His Podcast. Paige, what was the one thing you learned from a week-long Disney trip? Um, that I have the best nieces and nephews on the planet, and that wow. seven seven days at Disney is my, is too much. <laughs> was it said? I think it, I think it settled that like I think it was was it uh, six and six, six and days one? at Disney, one at Universal, and. Three of those days were ha- like half days, but nonetheless, it was a lot. I can't. It was. It was it exhausting. Was and Zach, tiny. Zach chose the hotel that didn't have a fitness center, and I was really not about that. Did uh, you know? Looking at the budget, I I didn't ever actually know that that was legal. I've never. I've stayed at a lot of hotels in my life. I have never once stayed at a hotel that didn't have a fitness center. So first time's a charm. Yeah, I gotta a charm, do. I mean, I had to do body weight workouts on nasty hotel carpet while it was dark in the room and all of my nieces and nephews slept. So, or on the beach, that that happened as well. Could have been a workout or a mating call. Sure, he's still out on that. Um, all you have to do is ask Rob Ingram um, about. His opinion on my hotel choices. We did that marathon in Logan together, and I just we booked it way too late. And the there was there's something going on in Logan outside the marathon because hotels were just crazy, like booked up and expensive. And so I found this one that was, you know, location wise to that marathon could not have been better. I mean, walking distance right to Main Street in Logan, but I mean, it was fine, but. Yeah, I don't think Paige would have stayed there if it was booked at the hotel. So, yeah, you know, sometimes when it's just me or sometimes when I know that the hotels not going to be the focal point of the trip in terms of, you know, Disney and being gone all the time. I don't I don't look to spend all the money there. Yes, best way to say that. Yeah, anyway. The. NFL season's rolling along. Week 10, we've hit the double digits. And so sad. It's really starting to become clear who the bottom feeders of the NFL are and the ones that are closer to the top and those that are going to fight like hell to get the six and seven seed to lose in the first round. I mean, typically that's how this all shakes out. Not every time. But sometimes the past couple of weeks have been crazy since me and you did a podcast. Kirk Cousins led and beat a 49er team, goes into Lambeau and then tears his Achilles. We then trade for a guy who had started every single game um, in Arizona. And 
uh, leads no playbook, nothing. BYU kid gets a concussion. He's in the game, leads a crazy win. I want to comment on that, Kirk Cousins. Not only to oh, go ahead. Just because I it was you know to not talk about Disneyland for too long because no one really cares about that. But we were in the line uh, to go to Haunted Mansion. We picked it first. We literally just got there. We're watching the first half. Like I started the game on the drive in on my phone, just listening to it. Uh, over the call and we walked to the park the game's going on and i remember we about to board the haunted mansion or like we're approaching the ride itself and Paige says to me her cousin's going to the locker room you know because when you're watching on the phone you miss some context of like how severe some of that stuff is and like Kirk, his biggest calling card outside of just you know consistency was he's never been hurt like ever never missed a game for injury since he's been a part in the National Football League. And so it was like, okay, well, maybe it's just like a rolled ankle or something. And, and then I get, we, as soon as we get off the ride, I check my phone and everyone's like, oh, that's a torn Achilles. And video pop everything. And then sure enough, he was ruled out almost instantly. And anytime this year, I mean, we've experienced with him, we experienced with Cam Akers, obviously Aaron Rodgers. And as soon as they say ankle and it's like, out like no question it's like oh he tore his achilles then i mean they they just know instantly with that test because i think your foot like falls forward if you have a full tear it just like because it's what holds it up and so the easiest test in the world they just say all right they hold your foot and then they just release it and it just falls like they can't hold it up so anyway sad and it was deal. heartbreaking on non-content like it was just the weirdest thing and I think that's why I kept my hopes up pretty high because I got about five text messages within two minutes of him going to the locker room that were like, that's a torn Achilles. And I was like, or it's cramps. <laughs> and that was I've, really, I was really trying to really trying to push that cramps narrative and it did not work. But the crazy thing too, I mean, you bring up Cam Akers. I mean, he goes out on Sunday, uh, the Vikings victory over the Falcons and the, uh, the second torn Achilles within a year. And so it's just a huge heartbreaker for him. I mean, the likelihood of him being able to come back from that is not very high, I'd say. Like, it's it just kind of sucks because for him, it feels like that's probably the end of his NFL career. Yeah. Um, modern medicine, you never really know. Um, I love all the conspiracy theories that are coming out with Aaron Rodgers now because of all the stuff he's doing pretty quickly post-surgery. And uh, now there's people saying, like, oh, he's – there's people literally believe one of two things. One, obviously with his stance, when it comes to medical things, kind of a different cat in some ways and some others, you may agree with them. I don't know, but um, there's some that believe that this was a ploy. Like truly this is, this is belief. This was a ploy by Aaron Rodgers because there was a clause in that trade. It was a conditional first and the condition, I believe it was 70 snaps that Aaron Rodgers had to play for it to turn into a first. And so this was, there's some deep state type of thing, thinking Aaron Rodgers did this, knowing that the team would be about 500, that then he could screw the Packers out of a first round pick and then become the savior for the New York Jets by, you know, by coming in later in the season. There's some people who believe that. And there's some people who believe that it wasn't even a full tear. It was a partial tear. And he's hyping it up because he wants to prove medical science that he does know what he's talking about. So that's where we're at in the Aaron Rodgers saga is, Obviously, we've said this about him for a long time. He loves the spotlight. That's why he does the Pat McAfee show on Tuesdays because he gets this whole like 30, 40 minutes of unfiltered ability to talk and say whatever he wants. Um, and then that's why he goes out before. I mean, he could throw any time 
You know what I mean? But he chooses to do it right before the game starts of doing all these hop step throws and kind of showing off how his foot feels because he he truly does love the spotlight and he loves the, the media talking about him all the time. And that's partly, I believe, the reason he likes to rile him up. So kind of like a tangent, but yeah, these Achilles stuff with modern science, who knows where it's going to go. It's just kind of, uh, I, I don't think I've seen this much. I always used to think like an Achilles injury was like, holy cow. I've, I, yeah, we haven't seen that rare. in three now years. It feels, now it feels common. So weird. And a couple of them have, have been on grass. Some have been on turf, but just kind of a strange year when it comes to that. But obviously a lot going on in the NFL. Uh, what's the score of this Thursday night game? We both kind of checked out, but I know you have a TV above you. We're at 16-13. The Panthers have driven down, so it looks like it's third down for them, but looking like they're either going to get a field goal and tie up the game get into the end zone. Man, if Al Michaels has to do an overtime of this game, I think he might just walk out. I think so, too. He's not enjoying himself. Oh, no. I mean, this is a very interesting game, obviously, with the Panthers, not in terms of this season, but the Panthers um, having given their first-round pick next year to the Bears. I mean, if the Bears can beat them, it's just like the best thing for them because it helps solidify like, oh, they're still going to be like the bottom tier team to get that first pick. Be crazy if it all shakes out and the and it's Bears 1-2 in next year's draft. That would be one of the craziest scenarios um, that, that has ever happened. So anyway, we'll update you when that game comes final. Let's jump into the week Oh, 10. oh, oh. What? That was insane. Bryce Young just threw an interception, but... Bears could not hold on. Oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> it literally went directly into his hands and he dropped it and then he bobbled it four times and then it fell. That was the catch I've ever seen in the history of catches. That's why the Bears are the Bears. So it's our last kick in a field goal. Early morning game of the year in Germany. Um, they last week get the Chiefs Dolphins as their game. You know, pretty, pretty high profile there in Germany. This week they get the Colts and the Patriots. So whatever you want to call that appetizer, this is a pretty horrible dessert. Uh, the Patriots have only scored 135 points this season, and they're 2-7. and seven. So I'm going to do quick math. 135 divided by nine games. That's 15 points per game. Pretty putrid. Um and, uh, you know, for Indianapolis, Gardner Minshew, you catch him at the right time, he can put some points up on the board. Paige, who you got in this uh, game? Do the Colts go from frisky to playoff relevant? Or do the Patriots stop the skid? And they have been playing better as late, and do they beat the Colts in Germany? Um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm The Patriots just seem to be unraveling. And with Jack Jones and J.C. Jackson being on the bench starting last week's game, I just, I don't know. It just feels like it's unraveling all the place over there. So for me, I think the Colts are going to win this one. Um, and I think it's going to be a pretty sizable win by the Colts. Uh, so, yeah. What, what yeah. say ye, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I believe last week, or I mean, last year, the Colts defense was like, Fifth in the league overall, and this and this year they're in the twenties. So it hasn't really been the offense that has let the team down. It's been more that defense. I mean, Shaquille Leonard, who signed a contract, was a rookie of the year candidate a few years ago, is now not even playing. He's putting first, second down reps, not even playing on third down. 
And I know that they had two pick sixes last week uh, against Bryce Young, but obviously the Panthers aren't proving to be any good. So I I don't know what to make of this game. I'm, I'm just going to roll the Colts on it because I just don't feel like Mac Jones is any good. I think he's pretty bad. Um, so he is ninth in the NFL in pass attempts. This is Mac Jones for the Patriots. Um, and he is 29th in yards per attempt. So he throws the ball a decent amount, and usually because they're down by so much, and uh, he doesn't really push the ball down the field at all. So I'm going to go Colts. I think Gardner Minshew pulls it off 28, like 20, 28, 17, probably something. Probably the best game in the early slate is an AFC North matchup the second time that they're meeting. So this is pivotal for the Browns if they want to have any chance in winning this division as they go into Baltimore and play the Ravens. Now, the last time they played the Browns, I think it was week three or week four, they started DTR UCLA legend and the Ravens put a smackdown on. Now they go into Baltimore. Deshaun Watson is tracking the play. Defense coming off. This is a crazy stat we didn't talk about last week's game because we had just finished a drive from Anaheim. But the Cardinals had less yards than minutes played in the game. That's a real stat. 60 minutes in a football game, 58 total yards on offense for the Arizona Cardinals now. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals had in that game. So the Browns defense, obviously, for real, not playing a great team last week. But, Paige, in this matchup, do you think it goes the way of the first one? Or do you think the Browns, with a little bit more health on their side, can go in and steal a crucial uh, game in Week 10? I am on the Ravens hype train. I think that the Ravens are the most complete team in the NFL right now. Um their plus 115 point differential is the first in the league. But not only that, it's 35 points better than the second ranked team. They're first in defensive value <clears throat> over average. And they're seven and two. And their two losses came by a combined 10 points total and were like fluky. Like they were like games that you're like, okay, like the Ravens have two more plays go their way and that. And so for me, I just think that Lamar Jackson is operating in the pocket really well and his ability to make like make plays out of things going wrong um, is just going really well. The offensive line is good. The defense just held the Seahawks to a total of six first downs and completely shut down the Lions. And those yeah. are teams that are scoring and moving the ball on other teams. And so I just think that the Ravens look really, really good. Obviously, the Browns have had games where they look incredible, and they've had games where it's been like, I'm confused about what's happening. Their defense has been good, but I think that the Ravens' offense is going to be one of the teams that can pick apart that defense. And so I think it's, I think you're going to see a close, like, obviously, I think there's going to be close moments of it, but I do think that the, the Ravens are going to come out on top of this one. Yeah, that division is incredible if the playoffs were to start today all four teams would be represented in the playoffs which is obviously a first um, for that type of thing with the 17 format it is now possible but you have the Ravens 7-2 and then all three teams Steelers Browns Bengals at five and three and it kind of seems like everybody's beating each other the Steelers are one of the uh, two losses for the Ravens so this division is very much within reach so one of those interesting situations where if you're a Steelers or Bengals, Bengals fan, you are cheering for the Browns this week because you want them to hang another loss on the on the Ravens to keep them at bay. Because if they go eight and two, 
get another one in division, you know, especially with you know, the, the really what's funny sitting at the bottom of the division because of the tiebreakers are the Bengals. And to me, I think the Bengals are better than the Steelers and the Browns, most right. certainly better than the Steelers. So I know that the Ravens are hoping they can catch a couple losses. Me personally, I know we, did, I, we, we felt to mention that, that in that in the break that we had to over vacation, the Bengals went and beat the 49ers and then they beat the Bills. And so like the Bengals, everyone was losing their minds about the Bengals beginning of the season. They started 0-3 and this is a completely different Bengals team. This is a Bengals team that we all expected and we kind of talked about like they'll get back to it. And here we are again, another slow start for a Bengals season. And yet now they're looking like a dominant team. Yeah, it's it's been kind of the weirdest thing about them the last uh, couple of years. It's, I mean, not many teams can start one and three. And then by middle middle of November, be back into the Super Bowl conversation. But here they've are done it back to back. Here they years. are with the Vikings back. <laughs> yeah, conversation. exactly. Um, so this game, this game interests me. I do think that the Browns are a really good football team, but I'm just going to go. You know, this would be a situation kind of where whoever was the home team, I would take them in uh, if this was flipped. And I know that the Ravens already went into into Cleveland and beat them, but. I'm going to take the Ravens at home. I think it's going to be a close one, and I think the difference is going to be, um, you know, like a field goal uh, by Tucker. So I'm going to go like 27-24, maybe 21-8, you know, 18. It's going to be a tight, tight game. We move into another AFC North team playing in the Cincinnati Bengals. They host the very fun Houston Texans with phenom rookie C.J. Stroud, a rookie who is making the Panthers look like they bought a little too high on Bryce Young when CJ Stroud was there for the taking. This is the first matchup, obviously, between CJ Stroud and Joe Burrow, who have a connection through Ohio State, where Joe Burrow went to school for quite a while. Um, last week, CJ Stroud put up 148 passer rating. Um, it's the highest ever in NFL history by a rookie with a minimum of 30 attempts. And then he also broke the record for yardage in a game with 470. He's on pace to throw for 48 or 4,823. Um, and if he kept that same pace, he'd break Peyton, Peyton Manning only passed for 3,800 yards. I think that record's been broken since then, but overall, pretty impressive. Does the, do the Houston Texans have enough firepower to go into the jungle and take down the Bengals page? Yeah, Texans, obviously, I think one of the funnest teams to watch this year. I think the one the one opportunity that the Texans have is that the Bengals, like Jamar Chase didn't practice Wednesday because of his back. T. Higgins was limited, limited with hamstring. So, like, there is there is some weaknesses on the Bengals, but it's like those two are both on offense. And I trust in Joe Burrow to be able to go up against that. So I think you pair, you, I I just have to go Burrow in this just because he's the more like tenured quarterback in the NFL. I think that he's going to be able to pull out a win over Stroud, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if we see the Texans be able to pull this out, but I'm going to put my money on Burrow. No, I don't think that's a bad call. Um, I think when you just, I think the Texans are like that young team that all of this good is going to do a lot of good for him next year. Um, I think that they're building a really good culture. I think they I think they smashed last year in the offseason. And if you're a Texans fan, think about three years ago or four years ago, right? When you went into Kansas City, you're up 24-0. You have Deshaun Watson. You have the, you know, have this dynamic team. And then since that point, everything had been on the downhill. 
every single thing. You trade away your best players. DeAndre Hopkins, the Sean Watson scandal happens. You thought that was going to be your guy for the next 15 years. Ends up not falling that way. And then you're kind of like, are we going to be bad again for a long time? Because usually don't stumble into those type of guys. And in one offseason, they seem to have gotten everything right. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson looks like a beast at the third overall pick. D'Amico Ryans looks like a culture setter, like player type of coach, uh, young, you know, up and coming. And so it kind of looks like everything's going, you know, pulling up aces for the Texans. But I just think it's not going to on Sunday because I believe that this is a team that next year is going to be more dangerous than they are this year. And the Bengals are the team that are gearing up for a deep playoff run, um, you know, as they get better week after week. I'm going to go Bengals winning by seven to ten in this game. The only stat I'm going to give you on the next game, um, another great 1 p.m. or 11 a.m., 10 a.m., wherever you live, the 49ers and the Jaguars. The 49ers on a three-game losing streak. Their last win, the dominant performance on Monday Night Football over the Cowboys where it seemed like a coronation of the best team in the NFL. They have since fallen flat on their face against the Browns, against the Vikings. Got to leave that one there. Emphasis. Then they what lose a game. Then they lose at home the aforementioned Bengals. The Jaguars, winners of five in a row. And guess who beat them their last time? The aforementioned Houston Texans. So how we look at that, how we tie that all up together. Nice bow. The 49ers in Jacksonville, both coming off their bye. The last game the Jaguars played was in uh, London. I believe that's the case. Yes, I think it was overseas. No, they played the Bills, and then they came back home. I think the last game they played was that Monday night game. That No, that that Thursday night game. Was it the Thursday night game against the Saints? I believe that's Let me look. I'm very curious now. No, so they played the Saints, and then they played the, – that's why I have it all messed up. It was last Sunday – they played in Pittsburgh, beat them 20 to 10, and then they had their bye week. But I was correct. Both coming off the bye week. Paige, who do you have in this one? Do you think the Niners right, make it right? Or do the Jacksonville send another statement that they're one of the best teams in the AFC? I just, I, this one is so hard for me because I want to go with Jacksonville because I like Jacksonville and what they're doing. And I like Doug Peterson in an underdog role. But I just, I cannot fathom the world where that 49er team loses four games in a row. Yeah. And so for that reason, I have to go with the 49ers. Like, yes, they, they have fallen. They have lost to teams, but they've lost to good teams. Like these are not like, these are teams that people didn't think that they would lose to, but it's like the Bengals are back to what the Bengals have always been supposed to have been. The Vikings, as much as they have had they, their seat, their schedule, their record did not indicate it. They have a good, they have a good team. They have elements there to make them difficult to play. And so for me, it's like 49ers. I'm going to take them because I can't see them lose. They have too many weapons for them to lose four in a row. That's what's funny about it, because honestly, if they were if they were six and two or seven and one coming into this game, I, I would be like, yeah, I might. I meant picks the Jags. Like, I think the Jags have a really good chance and they do would not be surprised. But I agree with you. Kyle Shanahan, after a buy, that, that probably wasn't a very fun buy for him or for the team. I, you know, not a lot of rest when you've lost three. Maybe it was a good time to reset, to get Debo back in full health. Uh, and maybe that offense gets back to where it was, 
you know, three, four weeks ago when they played the Cowboys. I agree with you. Kind of a weird one. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Niners as well, but it kind of falls on the fact that I just cannot see them losing four games in a row. Not that I don't think the Jaguars could very easily beat them. And if they do, the Chiefs have got to start getting nervous about the Jaguars because yes, they beat the Jaguars. You know, I think it was the second week of the year, but it was only, you know, they held the Jaguars held them to 17 points. And, and really that game was right there for the taking for the Jags. They lost 17 to nine. So I know that out of all these kind of teams that are sweltering up, I know the Chiefs are the number one seed. It's the Arrowhead Invitational. It seems to be over the last five years, uh, the AFC Championship game. And I know that they probably would not want to see the dynamic quarterback that is Trevor Lawrence and an up-and-coming defense. So I'm going to go with the well, Niners, but I don't feel good about it. The thing, the thing that's funny, though, is I feel like one of the things that happens is that beginning in the, se- in the beginning of a season, I feel like if a team gets blown out by another team, then they just get this narrative about them for the rest of the time that it's like, oh, they can't be good. And like, because coming off of last year's playoffs, everybody was like, the Jaguars are going to be incredible this year. And then they get blown out by the Lions. They lose 40 to 14. And wait, no, sorry. That was last season. This was. I pulled those stats out. of. She's off a rocker. In my defense, I'm running on. 10 hours of sleep in the past four days. Okay. So now we're bragging about our sleep schedule. That's not a brag. That's a, <laughs> your call. girl is tired. That's a call for, for help. Who did, the, who did they lose to earlier this season? They the got Texans. Blown out by some, yes. The Texans. That's what I'm yeah. telling you. I said that earlier. I tied it in. Nice bow. I, I put it in the bow for you. It's a beautiful bow. Literally teed me up for that. Like them losing to 37 to 17. To yes. the Texans, yes. getting blown out by a quarterback at home, week four. Like it just caused so much. And it just caused so much, I think, panic for people of like, oh, they got beat by. And then it's like, oh, season goes on. And so then there's like this whole element of like, oh, the Jaguars, they're like, okay, right? Like they're seven and two. And they lost to the Texans, which we're in week 10. And now we all know the Texans are a good team. Like they're in every single game. And so it's just funny to me how that narrative kind of develops where it's like they get if they lose in the beginning, it's hard for people to gain that trust back. in. No, I agree with you. And, and that's and my tangent that included a lot of incorrect facts, but we finally got there in the end. We're here. Very intrigued by that line, like line stat. They somehow got brought in. That was that was well done. The next game, our personal favorite game. There's a lot of good games in this uh, this 1 p.m. window uh, Eastern time. The Saints are in Minnesota. Josh Dobbs, the story of the week, NFC player of the week, 20 for 30, 158 yards with two touchdowns, no picks, which included a 75-yard touchdown drive in the final two minutes to take that win. Now, what's funny about that game um, and, uh, you know, having watched it and rewatched um, the key parts to it, he, you know, early on, it was looking pretty bad. I mean, he took the safety, he had the fumble, then he had a no, the first drive out of the third quarter, had another fumble. Uh, it, obviously, a lot of it can't feel, you know, you can't be too hard on him with everything that was going on. I think that safety, if Kevin O'Connor could take that back, he probably wouldn't call a long developing route on the guy's first possession in his goal line. I think 
think he even admitted to it this week. Like that probably wasn't good to put him in that type of situation so early on. But what you saw from him as the game progressed, and really what's been cool about this entire development over the last 10 days, you know, 14 days, 20 you know, since Kirk Cousins, you know, got hurt, is I feel like it's been proven who O'Connell is as a as a head coach. More so, you know, say what you will about Kirk in terms of what you you know, view him on this, you know, on the scale, any rookie head coach coming in and having Kirk Cousins as a quarterback is going to be thankful because that's always usually the first problem a coach has is bad quarterback play. That wasn't the case for O'Connell. And so a lot of people like he has elevated Kirk. That's no question. But what is he going to do when you don't have a pro's pro in the huddle? Maybe Josh Dobbs is a pro's pro. He seems everything like that, but he definitely made that kid, you know, that guy ready to go for the moment, uh, incredibly intelligent, both sides, him being able to explain the play in the headset and Josh Dobbs able to execute it. Now, with all that said, the Saints come in. They haven't really played much of a schedule, uh, the Saints. They lead the, the NFC South. Do you think the Vikings at home, they're underdogs at home. Doesn't happen very often for the Vikings, but they are in this situation. It's actually happened more this year than I think it had in the last, like, 10 years. Um, but do you think at home they get the job done, beat the Saints, and pick up a massive win? The odds for the playoffs, it's at 63 right now. With the loss, it goes down to 50. If they beat the Saints, probability of the playoffs jumps up to like 83% for the Vikings. So this is a pivotal game. Who do you think comes home with the win? I think the Vikings are going to do it, trying to take bias out of it, but I just think that... The Vikings, I don't know. The one thing, the one thing that's been in the Vikings' favor this year is that Kirk Cousins was on the quarterback series on Netflix. And that just really, if anyone, anyone who's watched that series fell in love with Kirk Cousins. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you like football or not like football. You watch that series and you fall in love with Kirk Cousins and who he is as a person. And so I think that kind of made people like make like like want to root for the Vikings. And this Joshua Dobbs story has only like elevated that. Like I think that. That that game was insane. The sixth ranked defense in the NFL, and they were, he was able to. O'Connell's literally telling him exactly what's going to happen in the headset as it's happening. He's telling him where the things are going to go after he's already called the play. Like it was just insane. Kevin O'Connell's coaching ability, Joshua Dobbs' ability to like do things on the fly. It was so exciting to watch, and because of that, I think that there's always this opportunity where it's like sometimes a new person will come in and they'll have this stellar game to kind of start it off because nobody knows how to play against them. They don't know what they're going to do with the new quarterback. And so it kind of puts the defense at a disadvantage. And then the next week, once there's a week of film on that, the next team is able to prep better and kind of shut them down. But I'm just interested to see, I'm like, that was Josh Dobbs. with No, he hadn't taken snaps in practice. He hadn't been prepped. So it's like, I don't think that there is a lot of footage for the Saints to look at from the Falcons game to be able to know what to prepare for because this entire week of Joshua Dobbs in the locker room, in the game plans and actually getting cadences, it's a completely different story. And so I think there's that opportunity where Joshua Dobbs has another incredible week because the Saints don't really have anything to, to game plan against on in terms of like, oh, he's going to do this and he's going to do this because last week was all like shooting from the hip. And so I think that that's an advantage to the Vikings, a disadvantage to the Saints. And I think that there's a very good chance that the Vikings come out on top. But, you know, as always, it's been a rocky season. So there's also a very good chance that um, 
those Saints win, and it's a close game. But the one thing we do know is that the Vikings will keep it close, and it'll be exciting until the end. Yeah, the way I view it, um, it's a lot of similar veins than you do. I think uh, the crowd is going to be electric in Minnesota, uh, coming off a massive 49ers win, and then two straight road wins against the hated rivals and the Packers, and then obviously everything that the Falcons game brought you. You know, I, I would imagine they're going to introduce the offense first. Uh, you know, I guess not first, but announce the starters on offense when they run out of the tunnel individually and, and maybe save Josh Dobbs for last. The Vikings' next five games in front of them, they play the Saints at home. Then they play in Denver against the Broncos. They then play at home against the Bears Monday night football. And then they have their bye. And then they go to Las Vegas to play the uh, hyped-up Raiders uh, fresh off of McDaniels firing. So their next five games, everything's out in front of them. Everything that they want to do in terms of pushing the lines in the division because then it finishes with the, with the Bengals as the next game. But then to the last three weeks, Christmas Eve, January 7th, they play the Lions and the Lions again. They go Lions, Packers, Lions. Uh, they get the first one at home. So – Everything is still out in front of the Vikings in terms of what they can do this year. The winners of four in a row, five very attainable games. If they can find a way to go four and one in these next five, and they're sitting at nine and five with you know the last four to go, they're going to be in prime position, uh, you know, to put themselves not only just in the seventh seed, but you know, if the Lions slip up and if they can, you know, seek that first one and make that last game massive, you know, for the division. I think they got a really good chance. So I like the Vikings in this one. I'm not even going to pretend like I'm not biased. I am. But I, what I, the, the biggest strategic advantage, if I'm going to go that way, I really do think Brian Flores is the worst type of defense for a Derek Carr to play against. Because Derek Carr, anytime... Blitz, blitz, blitz. The last time Derek Carr played against a blind Flores um, defense in terms of a staff that he was on was last, I think it was Christmas Eve, when they played the Steelers, Brian Flores was a defensive assistant with uh, Coach Tomlin in Pittsburgh. That was the last game that Derek Carr played in the Raiders uniform because he played so poorly. So obviously that, you know, it was Mike Tomlin. You have to give him his credit there. But Brian Flores was on that defensive side, and he had a lot of those principles probably influenced inside there. He's going to hit Derek Carr. He's going to blitz Derek Carr. He's going to try and make him uncomfortable. And this defense has been hitting a groove the last month. And I don't think that stops here. You look at the last good defense that the Saints played was the Jaguars, and they made them look pretty abysmal for you know three and a half quarters. So I'm going with the Vikings. I do think it'll be close, like you said, as it always is. But I do think they pick up the win and continue the Josh Dobbs train moving along. Um, this is an interesting stat for you. You got the Packers at the Steelers, kind of a classic NFL matchup terms of who the organizations are but i think this pittsburgh team is like the perfect mike tomlin team they are um is there you the don't only... say he is the coach i know but this like encapsulate encapsulates everything mike tomlin is as a coach like doesn't know how it works but somehow they end up on the good side of stuff they are the only team in super bowl era to have a winning record through eight games despite being outgained by 790 total yards on the season and they've been outgained in every single game. It's crazy. 
I think they're that team. And you look at their next five, they play the Browns, the Bengals. Those are going to be tough. But then they go Cardinals, Patriots, Colts. I think they're going to be this year's team that has a record that's not very good, that gets in the playoffs, and is actually kind of a bad team. I don't think they have a good offense. So I'll go first with my pick and then I'll turn it over to you. With that said, I think the Packers are worse. I think they're a bad team. They're a young, young team. I don't think Jordan Love is really at the level that he needs to be, or I don't know if he really can get too much more. He doesn't look like he processes the information very quickly. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to go with the Steelers at home to beat the Packers to improve to six and three. Yeah, agreed. I just don't like the Packers for a variety of reasons, but I just don't think they're good at football. I think last week's win was kind of like, I think the Packers season is obviously like get a win, get a loss, get a win, get a loss. And so it's just going to be a pattern that this is time for a loss. I'll take Mike Tomlin over Matt LaFleur. And last time I bet on Mike Tomlin, it I lost. So I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> I bet against Mike Tomlin. I'm about to say. Yeah. About to say. Well, perfect. The next game, um, the Titans go into Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers start three and one. They are now three and five. Losers of four. The Titans have been kind of up and down, but now have officially announced Will Levis, the starting quarterback moving forward, started the last two through for over 500 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception in the last two games. Has looked competent, has looked uh, like a professional, and now has to go down to Tampa take on Baker Mayfield and the Bucs. The, the, they should have won last week when your defense has a lead with 40 seconds left and you can't hold on to it. And they have to get a touchdown to win. You should win that game every single time. So feel bad for Baker Mayfield on that one. He played really well. Um, but in this game, this one is truly to me a coin flip game. I don't know. I think these teams are kind of the same team, just in different conferences. Uh, what do you make of this one, Paige? Do you have a good read? Um, I just think the Buccaneers continue to regress, and I think that you're going to see some uh, risky stuff happening from Will Levis. I both of these teams seem mediocre to me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Tennessee. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Tennessee. Me too. Why not? No, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go op- opposite of you. I I think the Bucks are just too good to lose five in a row. That's so many games in the NFL. That's a lot of freaking games. That's a lot of games. I'm gonna go with the Bucks. Analytical side of it, there's really not much um, to go with. I don't, you know, they don't run the ball very well. They have a lot of players that played in the Super Bowl. I mean, Mike Evans is 11th in the league in yards per catch. He's 15th. He has 594 yards. So he's going to, you know, try and hit that 1,000 yard mark like he has every year of his career. Those are the only stats I have for you. Now, the after the late afternoon uh, game's not as good this week. I'm going to start you off with this one. The Falcons, who are on life support now, go to Arizona to play the hapless Arizona Cardinals. Now, Kyler Murray rumored to make his return in this game, but they just, you know, just last week could only put up 58 yards. So what can the Cardinals realistically do? And they're facing a team in the Falcons who are desperate. They have to win this game to stay in the playoff race. I'm going to go with the Falcons. But it would not surprise me if Kyler Murray, if he does play, makes those dynamic plays to keep this one close. But I just don't think the Cardinals have enough talent to get anything done. So I'm going to go with the Falcons. Ah, going with the Falcons. Yes. You want to know my favorite fun fact is that I realized this week that 
The Falcons have three offensive linemen making over $10 million per year. And they're currently ranked 24th in offense. Concepts of DOVOA. So, I mean, that's not, that's not looking good for them. It's like the money you invested is not getting the return you were hoping for. But, no. uh, yeah, I don't know. Kyler Murray coming back makes it kind of fun. Makes me want to think about, like, go with the Cardinals. Because wouldn't that be fun if Kyler Murray just comes in and balls out with that organization? But uh, the goose egg last week, I just, I feel like, I feel like the Falcons are going to pull this. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't see how how pivotal it is for them and how meaningless everything is for the Cardinals right now, which is hard for me to imagine. Usually the Plus, I feel like I feel like the Falcons are a little bit they're a little bit riled up from last week. Like they got some they got some things they gotta go prove. They gotta go get a demanding commanding win, and I could see that happen here. Yeah, I mean, with all that Josh Dobbs magic and it was a lot of fun, that they, they they really you know, they uh, settled for field goals. They couldn't execute when they got into that upper red zone. And uh, they had back-to-back turnover, one-play drives. And uh, that'll usually kill you. I know. And the, the pl- only other thing is I think that Arthur Smith looks like he and Big Cat from Barstool Sports are like brothers. That's my only thought. I know that they're good friends. Like, truly. They've mentioned that on that podcast. The Lions, here's the best. This is the best game in the late window. The Lions are in Los Angeles taking on the Chargers. The Lions have only lost to Seattle and Baltimore this year. Um, and they are on offense, second in the league in yards per game at 390 and fifth in yards allowed per game on defense. So pretty balanced team. Dan Campbell has this team. They're coming off a bye, um, playing extremely well. Talks of the one seed are out there with the Eagles, you know, being the only team ahead of them who have a tough stretch ahead. And I think if I look at the Lions, I don't think the Lions have like an incredibly treacherous way. So they they play the Chargers, but then they have the Bears, the Packers, the Saints, the Bears, the Broncos, the Lions, the Cowboys, and then the Vikings again. I mean, sorry, the Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. So yeah, they, they don't really have as treacherous of the road as some other of the higher seeds. So there's a there's a path for them there. But they have to go into L.A. and beat the Chargers, who just got done beating up on the embarrassing New York Jets. Paige, do the Lions get it done and continue to build on probably their best start in franchise history? Not, not that I know it's record-wise, but I think vibe-wise. This is probably the best that the Lions have ever felt in their standing in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I just think after watching that Monday night football game, Jets, Chargers, like the Chargers just looked bad. Like both offensives just looked bad. But Justin Herbert averaged four and a half yards per attempt and he took five sacks. And I just it did not look good. They it's just been this like up and down roller coaster this season with the Chargers. And so I just think the Lions are a much better team with a much better coach. And I will never get off the Brandon Staley hate train. And so I'm just taking the lines in this one as well. As much as, you know, a Vikings fan, it would be really cool if the Chargers were able to do it. And there's definitely a world where it can happen. That defense is starting to play really well with uh, with Bosa, uh, Khalil Mack off the edges. You know, Eric Hendricks has been a really good addition for them. The old Viking has been a linebacker, made a lot of good plays in the run game against the Jets. Um, I just, I just don't see it. Uh, I think the Lions are a much better team, 
And, you know, the last time they faced up against a good team, it did not go well for them. And so I think they're going to be ready for this. Coming off a bye, they're going to be fresh, going to be excited. And Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, probably going to have a few wrinkles uh, because he's had enough time to study what Brandon Staley likes to do. So I think that they'll be able to come out and punch him in the mouth first and get the ball rolling. So uh, not much to be said on this game. The Giants have had a season from hell, and they are facing the team that got their season of hell. Start Started off on the right foot. With have you seen the betting jumping. lines for this game? It's the largest in the NFL this season, 16 and a half. The Cowboys are favored by it's so much in the NFL. You never really see it. But Dan Jones out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, DeVito uh, is going to be playing in this game. Don't know who he is. I saw him play against the Raiders, and he looked terrible. So real quick, Paige, any chance the Giants cover? Not, not win, but cover that 16 and a half. I'm going to ask no, you I that question. I don't think question. so. I mean, we just watched a really great game, Cowboys-Eagles, this last Sunday, two of the best teams in the NFC going head-to-head. And at Lincoln Field, and the the Cowboys looked really good. Um, Obviously, the Eagles pass rushers got got kind of destroyed their game at the end, destroyed the uh, Cowboys' rush there at the end for their final possession. But I thought that the Cowboys looked really, really good on Sunday, and that was a really, really fun game. And I just don't think you go from competing with the arguably one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles, and then you come around and lose to the New York Giants and a Tommy DeVito team. Like, there's no way. This is going to be – I think this is going to be another dominant Dallas performance where they're winning by 20 or more points. Yeah, if there's anything they've shown the Cowboys team, when they play a bad team, they expose them and they beat them down. So this isn't, you know, been a track record where they play down to the level of their competition. No, they, when they play a bad team, they, they beat the piss out of them. So I think that's going to be more of the same. I think the Cowboys actually cover that because it's a rival. They don't like the giants and they would love to just continue to twist the knife in the first, you know, thing that they started really. The Washington Commanders pick up a win in New England last week when it seemed like they were fire-selling the entire organization by trading Montez Sweat and Chase Young. They have a pivotal game uh, for an NFC potential wildcard contest between the Seattle Seahawks, uh, a team that just of last week was in front in the division. Not the case as of now. So Washington has yet to beat a team with a winning record. Hits four wins are against teams with a combined record of 10 and 25. But Sam Howe, the last two weeks, have passed for 722 yards, and he's only been sacked four times as hope to kind of stop that, you know, record breaking pace that he was on. Um, who do you have winning in this? The, the, can the commanders go in into an hostile environment, pick up the win, or is Seattle going to right the ship after the drubbing they just took at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens? I think Seattle's going to write the ship. I think Pete Carroll is a good enough coach that they're going to come in after their kind of not kind of their embarrassing blowout loss to the Ravens. So I think I think the Seahawks are going to come out on top, but I do think it's going to be a close game and I think it's going to be a fun game. The Commanders have obviously have their issues and there's been a lot of a lot of disappointment for that Washington fan base this season. But if you actually look at the stats, it's actually wild because like last week against the Patriots, they put up 432 yards, and the week before against the Eagles, they put up 472. And so it's like this team competes and it's fun to watch and they'll stay in games. 
Um, but I think that the Seahawks will come out on top in this one, but I think it's going to be a close game going down to the wire. Yeah. Yeah, this one, again, There's a, there seems like there's a lot of games this week that are teams that are very similar to each other are playing one another. I'm going to go with the Seahawks as well, but it's, you know, it's a little bit closer than I think Seahawks fans would like to feel. But I just, again, the the hungriness of either team, one where they have a chance at the division, the other one where the team that, you know, they have a chance at the seven seed, completely different outlook on, on what you're doing. And so I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks to win at home. The primetime games this week are less than desirable. Uh, we have reached the Sunday night football portion, and we get to watch the Jets again. The Jets have just scored eight touchdowns this season. Why did they not flex this? I don't flex know. Flex this for us. They've only had fewer uh, since 1976 when Lou Holtz and then 2020 Adam Gates. Um, Las Vegas, on the other hand, fire Joshua Daniels and Dave Ziegler. Uh, Antonio or yeah, Antonio Pierce, interim head coach. They were 31st in yards all year, last in rushing despite having Josh Jacobs, and they put up like 27 in the first half, and they hadn't even scored over 21 all year. So it seems like the refresh was needed. Seems like they're excited. Uh, do they continue that momentum? And uh, they're underdogs at home to the Jets. They're plus one underdogs. I'm not fully understanding of that. Or can Zach Wilson come in and put up some touchdowns and beat the Raiders on the road? I just don't know what to make of either of these teams. It's a tough one. This one's really weird. I mean, honestly, having like having like an interim head coach, I feel like that happens more often than not when a coach gets fired through the season. It just means that there's a lot of issues, a lot of players that weren't loving the situation. And so it's kind of always like a... A lot of weird stories coming out. Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, always, but even more and so now that the Raiders are there. Um, and so it's just so I don't know, it's just interesting because it's like it was last week a fluke, and it was just like they were so like players were just wanting to prove a point about kind of really stamp it down on Josh McDaniels that like you were not the guy and you were a bad coach. Um, so, anyways, all to say, I think that this game will be interesting. I'm wanting, I'm wanting to go with the Jets. I don't know why, but I feel like the Jets are going to be able to pull out a win in this situation. The Raiders have lost a lot of games this year, uh, this year that I didn't expect them to lose, and I feel like this can be another one where that Jets defense can cause enough problems that the Jets are able to pull out a win. I'm going to go with the Jets as well. I kind of feel dumb about it. I, I like the, the only the, I the, I know. I mean, I know that what I'm going to regret about this is Max Crosby. I know he's going to make it. He's going to make a play, and I I really I just I really know like, he's 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 going to get to Zach Wilson stacks, and then I'm going to be like, why did I ever think Zach Wilson was going to be able to do this? <laughs> I think. I think the only thing that you can you know the reason I'm going with the Jets is I like the Aiden O'Connell what he's shown so far in his two games, but you know, he looked really good last week. He played the, you know, he played the giants. Uh, this is a step up in terms of the defense you're playing. They have the highest graded linebackers for pro football focus. Take that with what you will. And the high, two highest corners. I mean, they are just like an elite defense and the defensive line has a scary rotation. So I think for that, they're going to do enough things to confuse a O'Connell into a couple mistakes 
give Zach Wilson a couple short fields and, uh, you know, get the win. Be big for him and for that team. So I'm going to go with the Jets on the road as well. The last game, Monday night game, the desperate Buffalo Bills are now facing kind of like a desperate Buffalo Bills. The desperate Buffalo Bills are facing kind of an upbeat Denver Broncos team coming off a bye. But the last time we saw them, they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Something they hadn't done since like 2015. So tides are changing. You kind of see Sean Payton's hands all over the team a little bit. Is that enough for them to go into Buffalo and beat a team in the Bills who need to win and need to win now because that AFC playoff is going to be tough to get into. Right now, they're currently outside looking in and they're five and uh, five and four. So they need to win and they need to start winning now. Does that happen this week, Paige? I can't quit the Bills. I just think that you love Josh. I love Josh Allen. I love him so much. He's the best boy in the NFL. And I just can't. I just think that I think this is their get right. I think they're going to get back on trap track. I think that offense is too good um, for them to fall to the, to the Broncos in prime time. So it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Yeah, look, they better because their next games are Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys. That's the yeah. Bills next four games. Yeah. Because if they don't win this, it I mean, is not good. They might they're, they're probably missing the playoffs. But if they do, if they do, then we'll just have to go back and rewind the tape from pre-season when I said the Bills had missed their chance, and you whoa. said, "Whoa, hot take." It's not that and hot now though. Here we are. Now feel, here we are. I think you're right on the money with it. They look a couple teams behind. Um, the highest point. Of their of their kind of this era was the 13 seconds before Patrick Mahomes took the ball seconds. down the field. That was their chance. Look at that butterfly moment because, you know, they win that. They host Joe Burrow and the Bengals at home to go to the play to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, I mean, my goodness! And then they play the Rams. They they, they were probably better than the Rams. I mean, I think any. I think anyone but the Bengals, because the Bengals now aren't the Bengals that even went to the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, that team that was had a, a that was a ragamuffin team. That that team had a lot of holes, so that, I think that was the only team the Rams could beat because the Bengals almost beat them anyway. Um, I think if you throw in the the Chiefs or the Bills from that game, they were the two best teams in the NFL. But that's what makes the NFL so great. You know, you brought up the Cowboys game. Um, that's why I love football because it literally came down to like a yard between the the Cowboys winning that game when the tight end was short of the line, Dak stepped out by like a foot, like all that stuff adds up, and it's like that separation between winning the game and losing the game is so finite, and I think more extreme in football than any other sport that it's just so beautiful, amazing. But all that being said, I, I'm going to pick the Bills at home. Um, I still think they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, but I don't think that they lose to Russell Wilson at home when the fans know this is a big game. Fans Monday night. They used to never have Monday night in Buffalo for the, the dead period uh between you know the Jim Kelly days and then Josh Allen. So they still probably take this. They, I mean, they're gonna be tailgating at noon, jumping through tables, drinking buffalo sauce and and all the beers in the world. So 
there's no way they lose this game, but I just don't think it really means much. It can't overreact to them beating the Broncos at home. Yeah, they, they just need this to keep any hopes alive. Exactly. Exactly. Well, awesome. Well, that wraps up week 10. It should be a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of good games, a lot of meaningful games. You know, people the people on Twitter, you see like, oh, this week's going to be real boring because there's not any like seven and one or seven and one matchup, right? But there's a lot of games that have, I mean, even that Jets Raiders one, not the greatest primetime game I would choose, but those, I mean, those teams are going to be playing desperate. They need the win to keep their season afloat. So that's why the NFL is the greatest because, you know, there's always a reason to play the game. Beautiful. Well, any last thoughts to wrap up week 10, Paige? School Vikings. Goal Vikings. Go Josh Dobbs. This the pastronaut. Tune in next week or tune in on uh, Sunday to hear our reaction and to see how many I got. Thank you.